Praise God. Mm-mm-mm. All right, open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of James. The book of James. We are uh, reviewing the book of James. We are wrapping up the book of James. We are bringing it to a conclusion. We are not doing it quickly. Last week, we were looking in our concluding thoughts at patience and perfection. I had mentioned to you that there are, we looked at the, te- the uh, outline, we're not going to look at the outline, you can go back and, and find these messages on our website if you, if you need to, but we are not looking through the outline as we conclude. The outline goes through the five chapters But what we've been doing is looking at the major themes that run concurrently through the book. Um, One of the things that you find about the book of James is that while the outline is an accurate outline, I believe it's an accurate outline that will help you to understand uh, the book of James uh, as it progresses, I think it's really important that you understand the themes themselves and how they run through the book. So we began with the promise, the promise of the book of James. The promise of the book of James, please hear me, this is so critically important, the promise of the book of James is that the whole new quality of life, of real life, that our high priest has purchased for us in the book of Hebrews. And if you go, just go to the end of Hebrews. It will help you to see the end of Hebrews really sets up the beginning of the book of James. Go to the last chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, And we'll just look at these two verses, verses 20 and 21. These introduce the promise that we're going to see revealed to us and explained to us in uh, the book of uh, James. And here it is in verses 20 and 21 of Hebrews chapter 13. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, the song we just heard so wonderfully sung, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see here at the conclusion of Hebrews, it is the God, listen, please hear me, it is the God of peace, who wants himself to make you perfect. Again, understanding the word perfect, it is really important. The, same, the, the, the verse that the Lord has really laid upon our heart, I would say probably the verse of Tidewater Baptist Church, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. That word end, now the end of the commandment, that word is the same word that's translated perfect. It's the same word that's translated perfect here. And what you'll find is it's used over and over and over again in your New Testament. And what it means, again, when Jesus says to die, it's a really important thing. When Jesus says to die on the cross, it means paid in full, it is finished, I have reached the goal. That's what's being said. The Lord Jesus Christ has himself accomplished the goal of our salvation. This word, 
Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect. That is, that is teleos. It is, the, it is the same idea. It is God himself completing you and bringing you to what he wants to accomplish in your life. Now, this is the promise of your salvation. When you turn the page, in my Bible, I simply turn a, simple, a single page. Hebrews 13 is on this side of the page. On the other side of that same piece of paper is James chapter 1. And what you find when you turn that page is that what God is saying in the book of James is he promises that your everyday life, now this is, the, this is boy, boy, I can't tell you how important this is. I did not understand this. I did not really understand this as a young Christian. And I find it difficult to help others to understand it now. God is not interested in you having a struggling, weak, restless Christianity. That, that's not why he saved you. When the Lord Jesus says it is expedient, the one who came and shed his blood to save us, when Emmanuel, God with us, says it is expedient for you that I go away, it is important for you, it is necessary for you that I go away, because when I go, after I present the blood before my Father, I will send the Comforter, and he will live in you. The Holy Spirit living in you has the power today Holy Spirit living in you has the power today to conform you to the image of the Son. Meaning this, the things we see in the book of James are that God wants to accomplish this whole new quality of life that our great high priest is pouring out in your everyday life. Not occasionally, not in a up and down roller coaster kind of a Christianity. Listen, listen. One of the things you're going to find as we, at the very beginning of this is and all we're going to do is take, spend just a couple of minutes looking at the, uh, a couple of verses together today having to do with perfect, the word perfect, having to do with patience and how they go together. That's what we're going to look at again this week. And we're going to see them in the context that they're in at the beginning and the end of the book. But God wants you, God wants you to understand that it is his desire to perfect you. It is his desire to make these things the reality of your life. Now, let me, and so here's this. This roller coaster that I was just talking about, if you were honest, if you were honest, all of us would have to confess that even those of us that are, that are sure that we're sure that we're sure that we're sure, as Bobby Kim, uh, McKinney says in his song, do you know that 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 you're saved? Do you know that? Even those of us that are completely assured of our salvation, we still have a tendency to walk after the flesh so much that our lives are like this. And this is, listen, you're going to find in this, in this very, very passage, it is not what God wants for us. But if you'll trust him, he will give you victory even over that. That's what God wants you to see. So now turn, your, turn your into James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 2. And I want to take my time. I mean, excuse me. I, yeah, I do want to take my time. I want to take my time in the verses I want to look at. So I'm just going to look specifically at a couple of verses together this morning. James chapter 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience 
have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Father, bless us now as we would look into your word. And I ask you that you would take your word and use your own Holy Spirit and, and your servant to, Lord, give your children, to give your people the truth contained in these passages. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. I think, I think something that will help you this morning is something that helped me. And the irony is I saw this yesterday. I have, uh, we've been going through this book for a long, long time. I want you to look at the word all in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Now here's the thing. The word all, the, the Greek word here is pas, and all means all. And so here's what I have, I've just been considering this, thinking of it this way the entire time. And now I've been thinking about this, everything that happens in your life. In other words, count all things joy. But that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is, what, the way to understand it well is this. My brethren, count it only joy. Now all is an absolutely accurate translation but I was thinking that the all was making reference to the things and not to the sum total of my attitude. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what God is saying. Listen, while I'm at work in your life, don't consider this any, and by the way, there are many passages. If you're here for Don's Sunday school class, the, there are many, we're not, gonna have to, we're not gonna go look at them because I really wanna stay right on point in what we're looking at together this morning. But what God wants you to understand is this. Be happy, be joyful, than what God is doing in your life. No other emotion is necessary than to be thankful. Listen, do you trust God? Do you trust God? Not are you doing a good job of it. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? If you do, then be happy. That's the whole point of this. The whole new quality, listen, please hear me. Remember, the God of Peace make you perfect. Do you trust God? Yes or no, really. Do you trust God? Do you trust God? Not do you trust him perfectly. Is he worthy? Let me ask you this question. Is God, being, is God worthy of being trusted completely? Yes or no? Raise your hand, honestly. Honestly, don't be plastic. Don't do it because everybody else is going to do it. But do, do you, raise your hand high if you believe that God is worthy of your complete trust. God is worthy of my complete trust. Honestly, God is worthy of my complete trust. Okay, go ahead and put your hands back down. Now let me ask you this. I, and I really, I want you to respond. I want you to, take, I want you to take these things with you today. Do you trust, not perfectly, do you trust the God that's worthy of a perfect trust? Are you, I'm not asking you, do you trust him perfectly? That's the whole point of this book. That's the whole point of the victory in your everyday life. Do you trust him at all? 
Do you trust him with your soul? Do you trust him with your eternity? Do you trust him with your family? Do you trust him? Raise your hand if you trust him. Honestly, go ahead and raise it just as high. Not, not, don't measure it by your perfection. Just do you trust him? Yes or no? All right, go ahead and put your hands back down. Then here's the good news. Then just be joyful in everything that's happening in your life. Because here's the thing. You may not understand what he's doing. You may not believe what he's doing but he is doing it. And even if you do it wrong, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. But, but, the whole point of this is if you'll learn to trust him, you'll enter into more and more of the victory that he intends for you to. Not by you doing anything other than trusting him more. Just trusting him more. I trust God more today than I trusted him yesterday. I trust God so much more now than I did for such a long period of time in my life. Now, by the way, if you'd have asked me, did I trust God? Here's the really sad thing about, there's a passage that says, and if you are otherwise minded, God shall reveal even that unto you. you. We have no idea how much otherwise minded we are until it's revealed to us. You have no idea how far short you fall until you see again how far short you fall. But here's the good news. The God who is promising to perfect you is on the job. Right? And we are his workmanship. Yes? We are his workmanship. You can, t listen, this is a really wonderful thing. Um... Pick a task. Again, we can pick a car, working on a car. We can pick, you know, building a house. Um, I know I said this, I think I've said this, even maybe in this context, but it really helps you to understand this. You know, we had Billy, Billy Harris. Billy Harris had back surgery. Before he had back surgery, he came over to work. He didn't do most of the work that was being done on our house. He came over with someone else who did most of the actual physical labor. But Billy came over to supervise it, to watch and make sure that it was done correctly. And some of the more... Uh, how I guess we'd say some of the things he was a little bit more concerned about them being done right the first time, he did those himself. And so he and my wife were talking about what was being done. And this is what my wife said to Billy. Billy, I trust you. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying to me, but I trust that you understand what you're saying to me. And I trust that it will be right when you're done. Amen? That's exactly, that's all that God wants out of us. I trust you. I don't understand everything that you're saying. I don't understand everything about this passage, but I trust you. Now notice what it says, my brethren, count it only joy, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this. Here's how you can have joy in every situation, and that is this, do you know this? Do you know that the one that's doing this knows what he's doing, amen? Here's another way that I can liken this. Um, you go to your doctor's office. When I go to my doctor's office, uh, right there in the doctor's office, there's a, a nurse who's, I think, one of, the, one of her, probably the task she's there to do most often is to take blood from people that come, right? I don't know, I don't know how you feel about um, somebody taking blood. I'm giving blood, you know, when it's time to, so by the way, by the way, let me just say this. If I can give blood, you can give blood. I may faint when I'm giving blood. I may faint after I'm giving blood. I would have been a doctor. Honestly, I would have loved to have been a doctor, but I can't stand to see people hurt or bleed. And you probably can't be a doctor without one of those two things, right? I love anatomy. I just don't want to see it. Amen? Right? 
I want you inside you when I see you. Amen. But when, so when I, every time I go to see my doctor, it seems like almost every time I go, they take some blood. And I trust, not only do I trust that this nurse will get the blood out of my arm eventually, which all nurses will do eventually, but I trust that she'll do it the first time and that I'll feel almost no pain when she does that. Now, I didn't believe that about her the first time she took blood out of my arm. And she, by the way, she did a great job the first time, but I didn't know if she would or not. But the second time I thought, there's a pretty good chance she might do this right. The third time I thought, there's a really good chance she might do this right. Now, if she didn't do it right, it would surprise me. Do you understand? Because she has proven herself to be worthy of me rolling up my sleeve, sticking out my arm, and looking this way. Because I have to look this way still. Okay? I don't want to watch the needle going. I, anybody, I can't imagine. Ooh, look at that. There's, there's something wrong with you. You're, you're, why? Why, do I, why am I confident when I give her my arm? Knowing this. I know she knows what she's doing. Sometimes I'll ask her, why are we taking this blood? And the, her answer often, she knows, because the doctor writes down what, he, what tests he wants to run when, when he's taking the blood. And so she'll say, well, he wants to look at this, and he wants to look at this, and he wants to look at this. She understands, she understands what she's doing. She has some understanding of what the, why the doctor is doing it. I trust my doctor, and I trust this nurse, and I just will put my arm out. Now, here's the thing. I trust God more than I trust the doctor and the nurse. Amen? And, and we need to trust him. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Do you know that the Bible teaches that, that this life is but a vapor? Right? Everybody knows that, right? Everybody, everybody, is, there, is there anybody that doesn't know that the Bible says your life is but a vapor? Does anybody, and probably most of you have heard me say before that the word vapor literally is breath. It, it, really what it means is exhale. Your life is but an exhale. That's it. The entire, let's say we live 100 years. Your entire 100 years on this planet is one breath. It's that short a period of time. And we have trouble with patience. As, let's do this again. This is not a fun one, but let's be honest. How many of you have trouble with patience? Raise your hand if you have trouble with patience. We are not, not as high as you guys raised your hands when you trusted God. Our confessions are weaker than our, than our trusting God. Amen. I was riding with somebody the other day that was driving. And the person in front of us was not driving well. And I was, I was surprised. I was surprised by the person that I was driving with. And it wasn't anybody in my family. I was surprised by, the, by their lack of patience with the person in front of us. And I thought to myself, this is a universal problem. Right? We, it, you know... Um, I, I know I, I, Tim, Tim Dryler will be here in a little while. He can, he can stand up for himself when he comes, okay? But when you drive with Tim, everybody on the road, when you drive with Tim Dryler, everybody on the road is either an idiot because they're driving too fast or a moron because they're driving too slow. And I said to him one day, Tim, you realize you're either an idiot or a moron to everybody else also, right? We are all, unless we're all going to drive the same speed, we're not, we are all having to learn together what it means to be able to be waiting while we're driving. Listen, patience, this, this word patience, what patience is really teaching us, we looked at it last week, let's go look at it again. What patience is really teaching us, go to uh, um, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 5. I'm not going to spend any time on this, but what I want you to see is this. Romans chapter 5 
verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Amen. And rejoice in the hope, the expectation of the glory of God. Amen. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also. No, we don't. Right? No, Lord. No, that's not true. But we should. Why? Knowing. Here's the thing exactly. Knowing this. Because we know that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience expectation, the very hope of that glory that we see at the end of verse 2, we understand this because of the patience that we have while we learn to understand God does know what he's doing and he is doing this perfectly well. And hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by that very Holy Ghost which was given unto us. The Holy Ghost that was given unto us is the one that's teaching us, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God. He is worthy, he is able, he is doing what needs to be done. Trust him, trust him. That's what happens. Now here's what happens. There's no getting around this. You can say you believe God until it gets hard. And when it gets hard, you're going to be prone to not trust him. Just like when, 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 my, when my, the first time my doctor said, I need you to go out, and I can't remember her name now, I will remember it a little bit later, I need you to go out and see so-and-so, she's going to take some blood. The first time he said that, I thought, kind of like this, we glory in tribulation also. No, we don't. Go out there, she's going to take some blood. No, she's not. I don't want her to do that. But when I did it, I realized he knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. It was going to be all right. Do you understand? This is so important. Listen, whatever, you, listen, I'm, I'm, whatever you're going through in your life right now, whatever you're going through in your life right now, God brought it into your life to show you how capable he is. God brought it into your life so that you will learn to trust him fully. Fully. Knowing this, you must know. How can I count it only joy when I know that God knows what he's doing? I, listen, well, I tell you, it changes everything. I don't have to be worried about this. I don't have to be anxious about it. This is a really difficult thing, though, preacher. It is a really difficult thing. Good thing God knows what's going on. Amen? Now, let me ask you, I mean, honestly... From, from this very message, can you understand from the book of James that the whole new quality of life is not acting better, it's trusting God more. The whole new quality of life in your everyday life is not you being a better Christian. It's you understanding that God is a greater God than you knew that he was yesterday. I can count it all joy now. I don't have to succeed as long as he succeeds. But I find this, the more I trust that he will succeed, the more I find success going on in my life. If you understand what I'm saying. Not by my flesh, not by my own strength, but by allowing God to be the very God that he actually is in my life. Simply saying, Lord, I am not strong enough to go through what you're putting me through right now. I am not, but you are strong enough. I am not, by the way, let me say this. Let's look at the end of this. He says that, but, verse 4, let patience have her perfect work. So here we see that word patience and perfect working completely together. So here's it, right? Let's look at it together. But let patience have her bringing you to the goal work. Let patience have her bringing you to the goal work in your life. That ye may be 
at the goal and entire wanting or lacking nothing. If any of you lack, the very next, of this, this, this word right here, wanting at the end of four, and the word lack in verse five, the exact same Greek word. Exact same Greek word. What God is saying is this. I want to work in your life until there is no lack in your life. But when there is lack, talk to me about it. Talk to me about it. Now let's look at what it says here. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. This is a remarkable phrase, because what it means is this. If you will ask God, listen, listen. Here's the wonderful thing about this. Most of the time when we're asking God, we already failed again. Right? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. What this means is this. Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Again, I don't understand. Again, I don't understand. And, and what his promise is this, that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. This word, it would be another word that you could translate is chide. And here's exactly how this would go. I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a simple thing. Um, you give your child $20. Some of, you children, some of you children right now think $20, that's great. Some of you children are thinking, $20, what can I do with $20? It depends on how old you are. You give your children $20 for something. Let's say you're at a, a, a state fair. I don't go to state fairs, okay? I don't, I don't like anything that was driving down the road yesterday that they set up today and they want me to ride on, okay? That's just a really bad idea. I, I'm okay with going to parks that were built specifically for people to ride on these rides, but if this was driving down the road yesterday and that guy right there put it together, I'm not getting on it, Amen. But let's say you decided to go to the state fair with your kids. It's your choice, okay? So you're going there, and they want some money, right? And, and then they come back, and they see you, and they say, can I have another $20? And you say, I just gave you $20, right? This will be a, if you haven't said this to your children yet, you'll say this eventually. I just gave you $20. Listen, listen. God does not say that to us. I lost it. Well, I'm not giving you another $20, Obviously, you didn't care enough about the first $20 that I gave you because you didn't take good enough care of it to keep it, to use it for the intention that I gave. Oh, wow, I sound a lot like I must sound to God right now. Amen? Do you understand? Listen, when you go to God, it says, if any of you lack, right? His whole desire is to work in our life so that we don't lack. If you do lack, go see him. But you say, but it's my fault that I lack. It is your fault that you lack. It is your fault. But praise God, he's not like you. Right? That's what it says. Look, look. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. Now here's the only qualification. Let him ask in faith. Listen, now listen. This is a, this is a troubling verse if you're doing it in your own strength. But it's not a troubling verse if you remember that the whole point of this was he's the one that's doing it. All you have to do is trust the God you're talking to. Here, I mean, honestly, honestly, here's the thing. I don't believe that, I don't believe, it, it may be possible, um, I don't believe that, that your children, when you say to your children, come to the dinner table, children, come to the table, it's time to eat. I don't believe that any, I never, my mother would never said, Chuck, come to the dinner table, it's time to eat. I never wondered whether dinner would actually be there when I got there because my mother wouldn't lie to me about dinner, Right? Come to the table, it's time to eat. All God is asking you to do is to trust him that when you get there, when you get there, dinner will be on the table. That's all he's asking you to Just trust God. Do you, understand? do you see the whole point of this? The whole point of this whole new quality of life is that God wants to give you a life where you learn to trust him.
completely and implicitly. While you're going through whatever you're going through, say, God, show me what you want me to learn through this, not get me through this. Show me your glory in the midst of this difficulty, not get me through this difficulty. We spend almost all of our prayer during a difficulty asking for the end of the difficulty instead of learning that this is meant to show me how great my relationship with God is himself. And by the way, that relationship that I have with God, I didn't initiate this relationship. He initiated this relationship, right? There is none that seeketh after God, no, not one. It is God that sought you, it is God that saved you, and it is God that wants to show you how wonderful he is. So all of the things in your life, they're not there to hurt you. They're not there to cause you harm. They're not there to be difficult in your life. They're there so you would learn to understand and realize just how great he is, just how wonderful he is. Now, look, I need to be done. I want to go to the end. I want to go to, uh, toward the end of the book of James. And I want you to see with me um, in chapter 5, chapter 5 and verse 11. Chapter 5 and verse 11. This word occurs, patience occurs, starting, go back to 5-7. Five, five, I'm going to read, I'm gonna, I have to read it, right? Let me read from 5-7 to 5-11. And what happens is this word patience is going to show up five times in these verses. Five times, okay? 5-7. <clears throat> Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth at the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So here in this passage, and this, all I want you to see this morning is this. Why is God bringing up Job? Now again, go back to the beginning. You can keep your finger here. Go back to the beginning. Count it only joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God brings the difficulties into your life so that patience will cause you to learn to trust him that you might have an expectation, the hope of the glory of God in your life to such a degree that when difficulties are going on in your life, people will say, boy, you sure do trust God. And you'll say, I do. Not because I'm a trusting person, but because he's worthy of my trust. I didn't used to trust him. I should have trusted him, but I didn't trust him. But I'm telling you right now, he is worthy of trust. And then your counsel to them will be, you know what? You should trust God in this. And they would say, oh, you don't understand how hard it is. And you can say, I do understand how hard it is. You can testify then to the actual same trials and difficulties that he's brought you through. Not and say, see how good I handled that? Because you can be honest and say if you want to, no, I wept and cried and, and, and was in terrible tears. And you know what? All for nothing. All for nothing. Because God knew what he was doing the whole time. But I'm weak. I'm weak. But here's the good news. Let me show you a verse that he says, if any of you lack, just ask God. 
And you say, yeah, but doesn't he get tired of us asking? Nope, not according to the verse. He gives to all men liberally and upbraideth or chideth not. He doesn't pick on us because we failed the last time. But I gave you this to I gave this to you already. How many times, by the way, has God given it to us? How many times have you gone to God and, and said, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up. With you. That good thing you gave me last time, I broke it. That good thing you gave me last time, I lost it. That good thing you gave me last time, I failed with it. Can I have some more, please? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. 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 Why? Because I know you. You're dust. I know you. You're weak. I know, and I love you, but I know you. Isn't that wonderful? What does the woman at the well say? Come, meet a man that knew everything there is to know about me. Come, see him. He knows everything there is to know about me, and he loves me anyway. That's our God. So now we come to this, why is he bringing up Job after this entire book, right? Patience at the beginning, patience at the end. Through this entire book, why at the very end does he, the last, by the way, the last mention of patience in, the, in this book of James is Job. Why? And here's why. Turn in, to, in your Bible to the book of Job. Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. The very beginning of the chapter. By the way, how many, how many chapters are in Job 42? So this is close to the end, yeah? The last chapter. Let's find out what God's doing in Job's life. By the way, what, 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 is Job, what does God say about Job at the beginning of the book of Job? Anybody, anybody know? He points him out, Yes? God points Job out to who, by the way? Satan. Satan. Yeah, thanks for that, right? Right? God points Job out to Satan and says, what does he say about him? Yeah, that's a perfect man in all his ways. This guy, this guy, he's got it going on. But you know what? I believe he doesn't trust me like he should. He didn't say that part. But what we find is that Job doesn't trust God like he's supposed to. Listen, he does for a lot longer than you and I would, right? Job goes through an awful lot before he finally says, I don't understand. This is where he finally reaches this point. I don't understand what's going on. I already told my wife she was being foolish for complaining about what God was doing in my life. But, Lord, in case you weren't paying attention, I've been really, really trusting you. Maybe it's time for this to all come to an end now. Maybe it's time for you to explain to me what I'm doing wrong, and I can stop doing wrong what I'm doing wrong. And, and what God is going to say to him, Job, you don't know who you are, and you don't know who I am. That's the whole point. Now, let's look at what happens when Job does realize this. Job 42 and verse 1. <clears throat> so after God speaks to Job, remember, Job asks God some questions. By the way, you go read it. Job asks God some specific, detailed, difficult questions. And God answers, you go look up the number of answers he gives him. Because the answer is zero. Okay? God answers none of Job's questions. Instead he says, before I answer your questions, let me ask you some questions. And then God asks Job some questions, and this is what Job says. Then, then Job answered the Lord and said, now this, look at, listen to this, look at this. Look at what God's teaching us in the book of James. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Here's what you find out. Listen, listen. This is why we need to talk to God. Job's friends and Job's family never got to see 
the unbelief in Job's life. But Job knew it was there. And you know who else knew it was there? God. How do we know that? Notice what he says. I know that thou canst do everything and that what? No thought can be withholden from thee. How does he know that? Because he tried to withhold them from him. Right? You know how I, I mentioned this a lot of times when we talk about prayer. When you go to prayer and you hold one hand behind your back with that one thing that really matters in your life right now. And you, just, and you go to prayer and God says, what's that behind your back? And you say, nothing, Lord. There's nothing behind my back. And I really believe that what his answer is to you at that point is this. Let's not talk then. Let's not talk then. Take it out. Put it in front of me. Let's talk about that. Let's deal with that. After we deal with that, we can deal with anything else. But we've got to deal with that. Why? Because obviously you're regarding iniquity in your heart. There's something that you're, if you're hiding it from God, you're doing the same thing that Adam did when God came to see Adam. You're just hiding behind the bushes and saying, I can't be in your presence. What you're saying is, Lord, I come boldly to the throne of grace with, that, with this one exception of this thing I'm hiding behind my back, but I know you can't see it anyway. That's absurd. That's absurd. You just need to take it out and put it in front of God. By the way, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Well, when God knows my real, he knows your heart. Do you understand? You're not understanding how good he is. Be honest with him. I don't really trust you. I tell people that I do, but I don't. I know you can do this, and I know you can do this, but I don't really understand what's going on right now. If you lack wisdom, ask God. But when you ask him, just believe him. You don't have to believe you. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe Tidewater. But you do have to believe him. I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Wow. Job said, I've been running my mouth. And by the way, Job is a very humble, quiet man. You read the book of Job, you'd say, if Job is running his mouth like an idiot, what am I doing daily? Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, and here's the whole point of this, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is exactly what God wants. Listen, if you want to see this again, go to, it's really important, this wherefore I abhor myself, go to Romans chapter 7. Go to Romans chapter 7. Because the same reality, the same wonderful truth is taught to us in Romans chapter 7. Let's read starting in uh, verse 14. Romans chapter 7 starting in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, 
dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. Praise God, that's true. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, right? I abhor myself. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And here's the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Look up here. Amen? Just be honest about that. This is true in your life. This is true in my life. This was true in the Apostle Paul's life. In you that is in your flesh there dwelleth no good thing, but the Holy Ghost lives within you also. And he is able to perform this. Just trust God and be patient. Wait on him. Wait on him to show you what it is that he's doing this in your life for. To, that you would learn to understand how great, how good, how powerful, how mighty he is. That, listen, listen. And what will happen is this. As you trust God in this, you'll trust God in this. And you'll trust God in this. And here's what's going to be able to happen. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So very important. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. Jesus speaking to the apostles as he's leaving, as he's getting ready to leave, right? He's going to send the Holy Ghost, right? We talked about this at the beginning. But notice the promise here in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power, dunamis. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And listen to this. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Look up here. Again, let me, listen, please hear me. I really used to think that being a witness meant I would tell people how great Jesus is. That's not the witness. I was really wrong about this. That's not the witness. The witness is the change they see in your life. That's the witness. Do you understand? As you trust God, he changes you. And when people see the change, that's a witness to the power of God, isn't it? Right? Words are not power. Are they power? It's just opinion. People are full of opinion. Go, go on your Twitter feed and find out how many opinions there are. The world is full of opinion, but the world is not full of power. Right? Christianity, professing Christianity in America is full of opinion, but it's not full of power. But if the Holy Ghost lives within you, you, shall re you have received that power. Now, what is the power to do? To change you. To change you. And that is a witness unto what? The one who does the work. Amen? For we are his workmanship. As you are changed, as you trust him, as you trust God, he changes you. As he changes you, it will change those around you. People around you do not care whatever your moral standard is. They do not care about your moral standard. They do not care about your moral standard, but they will care when they see the change in your life. They will care because everybody around you is longing to be set free. You can't set them free you can't even set yourself free. But praise God, God can set you free. Yes? And the, uh, listen, listen. The promise of Hebrews, the promise of Hebrews is now the God of peace make you perfect. Right? In what? Doing all of his will. 
how's that going to be possible? As I trust him. As I learn through patience to believe he knows what he's doing. I don't even need to know anymore. You don't even need care to know. What did the Lord Jesus say? My need is to do what? The will of my Father. He didn't say, look, let me explain it all to you guys. He said, look, just trust the Father. He knows what he's doing. Yes? What a wonderful reality. Just trust the Father. He's good and he's great. He's omnipotent and omniscient. He's all of these things, but he has your best interest in mind. Trust him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for giving us these few minutes together this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are quick and powerful. I thank you that you are able to make the difference in our lives that we are not able to make. And all that you ask us, all that you ask us is that we trust you. All we have to do is believe you at your word. And Lord, you will do what we cannot do. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I ask you to stand this morning,